Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome along to today's Football Digest Daily with me, Ned Keaton. I'm joined this morning by Mark Jones of David Mirror and Football.London's uh, Scott Trotter to chat our way through another Premier League preview. Uh, gentlemen, it looks like it's going to be uh, an exciting weekend, hopefully, uh, now that the Premier League is back after a couple of uh, weeks off with, with the international break and whatnot. Um, Mark, we're going to start with your beloved Liverpool first, partially because they are the first game of the weekend too. Um, it, it, a couple of returns here. A return for Liverpool to where they lost their unbeaten run a couple of seasons back. Sorry to bring that up. I know there's still probably some painful memories tied around that that match as well. Uh, but also the return of the Tinkerman too, Claudio Ranieri's first game in charge of Watford. Um, there's also likely to be a couple of returns of, of Brazilian, uh, Brazilian players uh, for Liverpool as well with Fabinho and Alisson in action uh, last night as well. So it's highly unlikely that they're going to be featuring at Vicarage Road. Um, do we expect a, a new manager bounce for Watford this weekend or is this another uh, a game for Liverpool that they can kind of really impress in? Um, you'd expect Liverpool to win, wouldn't you? I think um, obviously... Ranieri going in there has probably made things a little bit more difficult than it would have been if um, if Cisco was still around. But I mean, Liverpool will go into it pretty confident. It's funny, I, someone mentioned the um, that game to me the other day. You said there that three 0 game. I completely forgot about it, and it's it's genuinely because it just seems like because it's all what is it eighteen months ago, a little bit longer, and it just feels like it was another world. Um, and yeah, somebody mentioned this game, and I was I thought because they lost three 0 at Watford early on in Klopp's time, and I thought they were talking about that game because <laughs> it was um, I think Adam Bogdan was in goal and he just dropped it in the goal about three times. But um, but no, generally that three it was it's weird because yeah, everyone made a big deal about the unbeaten thing, but um, I, I just didn't really register with me that it was, I, I think it was more to do with they were, they were winning every game. It wasn't just staying unbeaten, was it? The fact that they were winning. Um, so yeah, going back there. Um, I mean, that day, it's made us out a great game, and he he um, he's someone who has been linked with Liverpool pretty much ever since. Um, and he's probably someone I think will probably be playing his last season at Watford, whatever happens, um, if they stay up or go down. So Ranieri will be looking at him as someone who they can they can pin their hopes on. Um, but Liverpool, I mean, these are the games they've got to win. They've actually. Um, you know, quietly had a couple of draws in in the last couple of games, which isn't isn't ideal in in um, in this title race, which we all know will be kind of a really really tightly fought one. So um, it's not going to be easy, but they're going to have to go there and and set the stall out. And I think they probably will win. But um, uh, yeah, the Ranieri thing is is just added a little element of uh, sort of intrigue that Liverpool could probably have done without really. You mentioned there about Adam Bogdan being in goal for a previous trip to Vicarage Road for Liverpool and having a bit of a stinker. Um, 
is that something that you know we're expecting Quivin Kelleher to to be in the sticks tomorrow uh, with Allison, you know, still travelling back from Brazil? I know obviously goalkeeper's not the most strenuous, but I'd, I'd be amazed if he's if he's in a position to play tomorrow for Liverpool. So is that something that obviously Liverpool have to be wary of when they're defending tomorrow as well? That, that you know, there's a chance for Watford that they could you know, kind of shoot from anywhere because obviously Keller has not not played that much for club or country. You know, I know, and I think he played against Qatar uh, in midweek, but he hasn't had the game time, and and he might not necessarily be up to scratch uh, early on, and and that might be something that Liverpool perhaps have to be a little bit wary of. I knew I could trust you with the Irish name there. That was, that was actually <laughs> that was superb. Um, yeah, he's done all right whenever he's played. Um, but obviously, he's he's not Alisson because who is really? Um, but he played a few. I mean, Alisson for a, you know, kind of on a quiet, has a couple of injuries almost every season. So um, obviously, Adrian was, was there at first and then Kelleher kind of overtook him. And I know there's quite a lot of confidence in him from within Liverpool. They, they, they see him as, you know, kind of a long-term um, deputy to Alisson he's spoke in the week basically saying he's happy with that situation and um, he's got a really good um, ability on the ball for, for which a lot of modern goalkeepers have don't they and I think that's basically the main reason why Liverpool have invested in him invested the time in him um, he's played big games before he played in the Champions League last season I remember against Ajax he had a really good game he played a couple of games at Anfield so um, I don't think they'll be too worried about him he's better Bogdan put it that way but um, he he um, yeah, I mean, the Allison situation is just unfortunate. I mean, he didn't even play, did he? That's that's that's, that's another that's another issue. He, he was on the bench, and and uh, Edison played for Brazil last night or this morning, whatever you say. Um, so uh, that's you know, you can imagine Liverpool are pretty annoyed with that. I wouldn't completely rule it out. I mean, the fact that he didn't play, I wonder if they chuck him on a plane and he might even be back now. You know, they 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 could get him out of there as quick as possible. So. Um, I'd, I'd expect Kelleher to play, but but you wouldn't be shocked if Allison suddenly, you know, he turned up and Allison was there. Yeah, there was all this talk about whether or not Premier League clubs were going to band together and try and, and kind of get all of their, their players, because I think it was going to be um, Cavani as well, was going to be on the flight back and, and try and get them back as quickly as possible. So one of those that may have been on that flight, Scott, is Thiago Silva. But again, given his age, it'll be unlikely that we see him uh, take part in Chelsea's game tomorrow against Brentford, the game's other televised match. Uh, Brentford's got already have proven that it's a you know difficult place to go with the atmosphere, the crowd, and everything else. You know, Arsenal lost on the opening day of the season. Liverpool, sorry to bring it up, Mark, but obviously had that difficult night a couple of weeks oh, back there as well. Oh, game. Brilliant game, yeah, yeah <laughs> phenomenal game. game of football. Hopefully, we get another feast of football then uh, tomorrow night when Chelsea go to to Brentford, and that's something that they've got to be you know that this is a Brentford side that's shown when they do come up against the big sides already. They're not afraid of anyone, and that's something that Chelsea have to be kind of quite mindful of. Yeah, definitely. Um... They've obviously shown their ability to bully defences from time to time as well. Obviously, that Arsenal game stands out. Um, Chelsea, I think, generally would feel pretty confident with the kind of three centre-halves that they usually use. But obviously, Thiago Silva's missing. We still don't know whether Antonio Rudiger's fit after missing the game for Germany on Monday. So it's probably not the ideal preparation uh, Chelsea would like to go into this game. Um, I think we could see a bit of a tactical battle between Tuchel and Frank as well. Um but I think, like Mark said about Liverpool, this is the kind of game Chelsea need to win. Um, we've got Brentford, like Norwich, Newcastle. They've got like quite a nice run coming up. So to really get some momentum and kind of cement that top spot place while other teams, like you said, perhaps play each other or have their own chance to get points, it's going to be really crucial that they kind of show how good they are. Um, it's been a bit of a slow start the season, despite them being top. Um, I think it sounds a bit odd to say, but they've perhaps not been kind of in sort of fifth gear or anything. Um, they've kind of conceded a lot of shots and that kind of thing. But uh, 
if you can be top when you're not playing well, hopefully that's a good sign for sort of kicking on now. With regards to the international break, I know, I know obviously there was a game after it as well, but when Chelsea had lost to, to Man City, there was question marks. And, and obviously they followed that up with a defeat in Juventus. There was question marks about uh, Thomas Tuchel, I think for the first time since he'd taken that job, it had been kind of a bed of roses up until that point. And then the people questioned whether or not he got the tactics right, whether or not Chelsea are playing the right way, whether or not he's unlocking their full potential. Um, do you think the international break may have kind of helped Tuchel in a way so that he could kind of, you know, come back from it a little bit, a, a chance to really kind of take stock and, and analyse where he wanted to go forward with this Chelsea team going forward in the in the season and trying to win that title? Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of obviously been a bit of a, um, a mad one since he came in with the Champions League final. There's been a lot of games and kind of not a great deal of time to kind of implement his message. Um, I think when they kind of started with the three at the back, it was kind of, a lot of people saw it as a kind of almost makeshift. Obviously, Alonso came straight into the team because of his height against Burnley all the way kind of back then. And he's obviously shown that he's still quite useful this season, um, although he's probably dropped out of the first 11 now. I think it's still a learning process. I mean, he's only been in the job, what, eight months or so, um, a little bit over that now. So any time he gets with the players or to kind of take stock and see what's happening, I think it's a real big benefit. Um, obviously, against Southampton, we saw the likes of Loftus-Cheek and Trevor Chalaber and they've had a concerted period with Tuchel now, kind of have a bit more intensive focus on them, kind of prepare them for the first team again. Um, and then Ziyech as well has obviously had a bad kind of a couple of games. He's dropped out and he's had a little bit of time, obviously has a bit of a scenario with Morocco and not being picked for them anymore. Um, yeah, it's I think it's a frustrating time period because so many of the players leave. But I think with the kind of 10 players that Tuchel's had at Cobham, um, Hopefully there's been time to work on something and kind of at least a bit of a ploy to take on Brentford with and like I say, kind of implementing what he wants for this next stretch until the next international break in November. Uh, as ever, guys, if you're if you're watching along, uh, please feel free to submit your comments in. Uh, we do have one, Mark, I don't know if you've seen it, but he's uh, from John T. LFC Smith uh, suggesting that you may have just uh, rolled out of bed for this show this morning oh. saying that you can't wait for it to end <laughs> going back I, I to did, oh, I think you look rather lovely I uh, did start at 6am today I did, that's probably what it is yeah. I started at 6am this morning so cheers, once, cheers once, this is, yeah. <laughs> once this is done just grab a cup of coffee and then you know, yeah, you'll be fine like again fourth one of the day probably yeah <laughs> um, but return to the Premier League preview chaps um, another game and uh, there is a caveat when I say this, you know, when when you look at Leicester and Man United, there's so much probably expected of them because of you know, Leicester after the last couple of seasons and they're now currently a little bit lower down the table than they expect to be. And Man United, I think because of the squad, we expect much more of them. And I'm about to say that these two teams need wins because they've had stuttering, spluttering starts to the campaign. But Mark, when you look at the table, Man United are only two points off top. I know that when you look at the run of teams that they've played, they probably should have done a lot better. You know, Liverpool have played Chelsea, Chelsea have played City and Liverpool, Arsenal have played Man City. And you look at that, you know, Man United haven't had that really, you know, big test yet. But at the same time, you know, they're, they're still only two points off top at this stage in the season. Yeah, but they're not convincing anyone, are they? Um, you know, they 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 lost I mean, they lost at home to Villa. They drew it home to Everton when they weren't the best. I thought Everton were the better side. So um, I actually quietly think this is a bit of a must-win game for Man United, really, because Leicester haven't, as you say, they haven't been at the best this season. Uh, they look as though they're kind of finding the whole, you know, week-on-week week Europa League thing a bit of a, a bit of a struggle. Um, doesn't just doesn't seem all right there. And I'm interested to see obviously the rumours now linking Rogers with the Newcastle job, which I wonder if he's 
kind of casting glances over there. Um, so I think Man United go in there, they, because they've dropped these points against the likes of Villa at home and Everton at home, um, and they've got Liverpool at home next week. So they need, and this, I think it's um, Spurs on the horizon as well for them and, and City. So it's a really difficult run. Um, but no, I think if they've got any, you know, we've all, we, these opening, what is it, seven games now, we've all sort of said, well, we know, we know let's be honest, we know three of the top four, don't we? Um, and there'll be people out there saying, well, we know four of the top four. Uh, I've, still got, I've still got that slight doubt of United. I think they probably will get in it eventually, and you know they've got the players, but there's still that slight doubt over, over United for me, and they've put themselves in a position where now going, going to Leicester, which is a hard game any season, um, is one I think they really need, they, they really need a, a, a victory, to be honest, because... Um, I'd expect, as I said, I'd expect Liverpool to win this weekend. I'd expect City to win. I'd expect Chelsea to win. So um, they can't afford them to get further away. Scott, interestingly, on this podcast yesterday, uh, Matt Dunn of the Express was, he kind of brought a, a good point to light about the kind of power struggle that there might be at Man United at the minute. That you had Oli Gunnar Solskjaer in charge as the manager, so you'd expect him to be the kind of the, the leader, but it doesn't really look that way. You've had Cristiano Ronaldo come back in, and he's kind of, you know, you look at his body language, and especially after that Everton game, he didn't seem too happy. You've got Sir Alex Ferguson, who played a big role in bringing Ronaldo back to United, chatting with you know UFC star Khabib after the match and saying, "Oh, I didn't necessarily agree with the old team sheet today." So is is Oli in a difficult situation? You know, we're back at this point where we're kind of just thinking that he's that they're almost just kind of waiting for that point for someone else, maybe better, trying to work out who might be better for Man United to take going forward, and that he isn't necessarily the long term option for them. Yeah, well, I think. Kind of Solskjaer came in and has had the kind of benefit of it not being the greatest Man United period in the world. Um, I think the summer's transfer window has kind of completely changed the pressure um, that's going to be put on him. Obviously, there's been all the out brigades in the past, but when you've kind of got Ronaldo, you've signed Sancho, who's kind of barely getting a game, Bruno Fernandes, that's a lot of good players to kind of still be struggling with, um, as Mark said, with kind of not the toughest opposition so far. Um and I think the murmurings are starting to come about how long does Solskjaer have? I know some people were kind of talking about that Chelsea game. Could uh, I think that's a few games of time, but that could be the game where he loses his job. Um, I think, like I say, with Liverpool coming up, the pressure really is going to come. Um, every decision regarding Ronaldo is going to bring in intense spotlight. Obviously, he didn't start um, not too long ago. Fernandez on the penalty, and then he misses the penalty. Um, yeah, I think anything Solskjaer does between kind of now and however long he's in the job um, is just going to be so intensified. Um, and with the likes of Ferguson, even though really he's been out of the game that long, we kind of probably shouldn't take too much stock in what's happening in the stands, but he's such a kind of elite figure at Manchester United. That pressure is always going to be added when he's kind of on the scene and any suggestion that he would have went a different way, I think, is going to be amplified again over the end of this next six-week period. Mark, on the other side of Manchester, uh, Man City host Burnley. There's there's very little point in probably previewing that game because, uh, as we said uh, off air just before we came live, it, it normally ends up 5-0 to Man City anyway, doesn't it? It always just seems to happen that way. Um, but overnight, there were uh, 
quotes from Raheem Sterling, who's speaking at a uh, Financial Times uh, business summit. Um, and it's interesting that the quotes have come from that, really, because normally it, it, it's not, you know, you wouldn't trust that to be the, the normal source of transfer news and, and whatnot. But but he was asked about his Man City future and whether or not he wanted to play abroad at some point uh, in, in his career. Uh, and it's interesting that he seemed quite very forthcoming, wasn't shy in coming forward about, you know, talking about his, his ideas and, and how he wants to play abroad before the end of his career. And it's very interesting that, that that's come out as he's struggling to get into this Man City squad at the minute. Um, looking ahead to January... It, it's it, you know it's funny now that you kind of go back probably this time last year and you look at the, the European footballing landscape and you kind of think there's a few clubs that, that Sterling could perhaps go to if he did want to move abroad. But it's looking a lot more difficult now for him to hopefully get that move that he kind of craves abroad if he if he was to go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's um, it is kind of hard to picture him in some of these clubs, isn't it? The, the sort of traditional clubs that we we always link with 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 players here on the market it's very interesting i find it very interesting for him to come out and be very open like he said um it's kind of another example i think of of the modern player kind of really sort of taking sort of their own initiative to to, to do stuff and try and you know force moves and, and and talk about themselves on the market um it's i mean i'm surprised what's happened to him at city in how he's kind of fallen down the pecking order in the way he has um, because especially when you think, well, I'd almost have understood it if they'd assigned Harry Kane, because then you've got another position in the attack that's taken off. But he can play up there. It's interesting now Ferran Torres is injured, isn't he, for about a month or so. So you'd think there's an opening there. So maybe he can kind of force his way in because you've, obviously they play Gabriel Jesus off the, off the, off the right now or off the left. He's been changing around. You've got Jack Grealish, Foden. So... It's an embarrassment of riches for City, but it does seem to be as though he's the one who's always missing out at the minute, um, which is strange because he's such a, you know, he had a great summer, didn't he, for, for England. And um, I've always thought one of the big underrated qualities he has is his movement in the box. And, and I thought that's perfect for City if you want that central player because you look at the way they play. I mean, we all know they are going to beat Burnley 5-0 and it'll probably be five of the same goal, you know, in terms of the way that they they. Get they, they, they'll get it to the bone and they'll cut it back. He's perfect for that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't look too harmonious, does it? And um, I'm intrigued to see how it ends up because I just I can't see him, you know, I mean, there's so much competition places like a PSG, isn't there? I mean, would they want him? I don't, I'm not sure they would. Barcelona and Real Madrid can't afford him. Um, where else, you know, where, where else are you looking? Um, and then you look back in the Premier League and I can probably see him playing for two or three teams there. Um, but it's not going to be as simple as as that. And and he'll know that. So um it's yeah, it's interesting to I'd be surprised if he moved in January, but maybe it's a summer thing. Um, especially with the World Cup on the horizon as well. But I presume one of those clubs that you may have had in mind is the Nouveau Riche, Newcastle United. Scott, we're going to come to you partially because your accent is the closest to a Geordie that we've got on this podcast this morning. Um, they host Tottenham this weekend at St. James's Park. Um, Sky must have been rubbing their hands when when the news came through last week and they'd realised that they've got the first game of, of the new era, uh, Sunday, four o'clock kickoff. Um, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a difficult one for Tottenham to go into because you know speaking as a Spurs fan we're always the perfect team to play when you're looking for a win Newcastle still without a win at this point this season um, but but it's going to be a partnering atmosphere regardless of probably what happens uh, come four o'clock on on Sunday afternoon the Newcastle fans are going to be celebrating um, yeah we can all have our misgivings about whether or not they're right to celebrate it because of the moral questions around it but 
Newcastle fans are just happy just to get rid of Mike Ashley. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it'll be a really lively afternoon on Sunday. Um, I think just kind of getting the idea of stagnation out of the club and kind of the return of ambition, it's going to feel like a really big moment. Um, I know like war flags are meant to be back inside the stadium. So it's right from the off, there's going to be a, a great atmosphere. Um, I think Newcastle Tottenham, maybe not so much in recent years, but always has been like quite a good uh, game as well. Um, I think there was the VAR situation last year. Maybe that was a bit of an interesting one, but yeah, I think it still seems a difficult one to kind of see Newcastle getting their first three points um, because although the owners have changed, the players haven't. Um, Steve Bruce is still there for the minute. Um, I think he's obviously taken the press conference ahead of this weekend. It's a bit of a weird scenario. Um, I think you can understand perhaps not kind of second and before you put your new manager in place, but when everybody knows he's not going to be around, it's a bit of a strange one for motivation and kind of buying into what was happening. Um It'll be interesting to know if, if Graham Jones, um, kind of he wasn't part of Bruce's honourage to know how much of a role he's having this weekend. Um, but yeah, the players are all kind of playing for the future. A lot of them came out themselves and kind of sent messages to the fans on social media um, when the takeover was announced. I think it's going to become a real big boost for the likes of, say, Maximum, who you, know, you couldn't blame him. He's perhaps always had one eye on his exit or Miguel Almiron. Maybe they're kind of starting to see a long-term future in Newcastle. And um, yeah, kind of dreaming of January and beyond, I guess. Mark, finally forward to Monday night. Uh, Arsenal host Crystal Palace in another London derby in the Premier League. Um, Patrick Vieira back in North London. I'm sure he's going to get a warm reception. Uh, but on the other side of it, Mikel Arteta, uh, he's probably hoping to avoid the manager in the month curse striking. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 turned around slowly, but um, there's still a long way to go for them. Uh, and you'd you'd say this game is a bit of a kind of a acid test, almost. For, you know, what is the real Arsenal? Do you know what I mean? Like, can they can they go into a game like this against the side who've shown qualities at times this season, at times this season? But but you know, normally we look at this fixture on paper and we think, well, Arsenal in years gone by would make short work of it and would would win the game fairly easily. This Arsenal team is no not a patch on on previous ones, but they they've got enough quality, they've got individuals. And and you know, you see in kind of the, the youth come through as well now, which I think the club needed. It needed that fresh side. And you know, you that you can see what Arteta's been trying to do. It's just not really happened um for most for the most part. But on the occasions that it does, when they when they do click, like when they beat Spurs, sorry, um, you know, and they, they um, you know, but that that whatever it was, that half hour there where they just clicked and they they looked really smooth. I mean, Spurs made it nice and easy for them, but um, but you know, they they cut they cut through them, didn't they? And they 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 look like they have the ability to do that. Um, Palace under Vieira have I think surprised a lot of people. Um, a lot of people kind of wrote him off, but. They've got a good, again, young sort of core there now, which again they needed because they were, they had a very, they seemed to have the same team for about five years, didn't they? At one point, and Hodgson, who you know was just there, but um, they they have they have quality, but I, like I say, I kind of want to see Arsenal. You know, I want to see what the idea is with Arsenal in a game like this. Um, so they'll they'll, especially on a Monday night, everyone watching as well. They need to make a statement, I think. 
Scott, away from the traditional big six uh, and, and the fixtures involving them, there's one that's kind of really catching my eye and it's because it's, it's two teams that, that look like they could be challenging definitely for the European places and they, they might get lucky. They might end up kind of putting together a run for the, for the top four. Uh, Everton West Ham on Sunday, the David Moyes derby as I've christened it. But... This is, you know, we talked we talked about staging posts for other teams and other big sixes on on this podcast already this morning. But for these two, this is a really good chance to kind of, you know, kind of sound each other out and kind of see whether or not they they can actually go the distance, perhaps, and and be up there challenging for the top six at least, if not the top four, come the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think West Ham coming into the season. Um, I know I'd kind of written off their chances a little bit with the kind of European commitments and kind of the squad they've got. I thought it might be a, just a bit too much of an ask, but they've settled in not too badly um, in both kind of fronts. And they say look very capable. Um, like I say, I think they're perhaps mid-table at the minute, but there's kind of been no concerns there as such, and they could really push on and have some good quality players. I think Antonio, whether he's fit or not, is kind of going to be a big um, kind of thing for his season, uh, for West Ham's season rather. And then Everton, um, yeah, I, it's been a bit of a kind of roller coaster. I think in the summer, um, it was kind of like Rafa Benitez thought he's kind of almost in many ways the perfect manager. And then you see the cloud that kind of comes over Everton because of the Liverpool connections. You wonder whether they're going to get behind them. But I think once the season started, there was kind of no doubt of the support for the team. And they've kind of been brilliant. And some of the signings they've got with Andros Townsend and Damari Gray are probably up there with kind of signings of the, the year, um, given the price or lack of price that they paid for them. Um, and yeah, Townsend kind of looks a bit of a world beater at the moment. And I think I'd probably favour Everton going into it with the kind of momentum they've got and what they've shown so far. But yeah, I think it's really kind of exciting time for both clubs. Uh, the other three Premier League games that we're not touched on uh, are Southampton against Leeds, uh, Norwich against Brighton and Aston Villa against Wolves, all three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday. Uh, and in my reckoning, all battling it out to avoid being last on match of the day on Saturday night. Uh, Mark, Scott, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate uh, your, your time and, and your thoughts and views as well. Um, hopefully it's another hectic week of football. Hopefully there's plenty of storylines uh, that, that are chucked up from it. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye.